Hello, hello, hello. Sammy here from the Gateway team. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we start. I just want to say thank you so much to all the fans of the show who've been with us since the start and welcome to anyone who is newly joining us. We appreciate so much of the love and support that we've received from all of you over the last few seasons. And we'd especially like to thank our patrons who have been kind enough to help us with the podcast. And if you'd like to become a patron of our show, you can head over to www patreon.com forward slash gateway to anime. Every little bit helps and it means the absolute world to us. So thank you to all of you who have done and thank you to all of you for listening to the show. If you'd like to get any news of the podcast, you can head over to www.gatewaytoanime.com. And if you want to find us on any social media platform, you can just search gateway to anime and you will find us. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Gateway to Anime. How are y'all? What's going on? Charlie, welcome. What's going on? Hi, not much. Happy to be here. We've got some uh, really amazing figurines. We do. We do some mise-en-scene. Then if you guys study film, you know what I'm talking about. There it is. Charlotte just finished a degree. We're like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if you guys know I have a Bachelor of Performing Arts. If anyone wants to pay me heaps of money, I've said no one ever. But um, yeah, no, it's actually really exciting. Uh, None of it are ours. It's actually all uh, Graham, which brings us to our third host for the day. Hello, Graham. How are you, my friend? Oh, he's got oh his mug. My he's God. bought his mug today. For those who are listening, to weird cheers. He's bought cheers. his mug. We're all cheersing now oh. with our with our mugs. Better for having a mug. Why is it yes. so wet? Because I washed it out before. <laughs> I just went. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Oh my God. <laughs> <sighs> Worth it. Okay. Well, today we are talking about battle royale slash death match anime. Now, the biggest show in the world right now. Well, we're probably a little bit off the time of it being the biggest show in the world. But Squid Game, of course, took the world by storm. Mm. And as it should have, it was fucking great. Fantastic. Did you all enjoy it? Loved it. I told you to watch it. You did. I'm well aware of that. <laughs> me I'm, trying and, to, I'm trying to tell the Me the and nine, 90% of the world yes. told you to watch it. It took the world by storm. It's I a fantastic it, fucking show. Absolutely brilliant. But I wanted to talk about the animes and, of course, other shows, something that we'll talk about very soon. In fact, it's eponymous. We need to talk about it because, really, this whole genre began. Now, you can go all the way back to 1924 for this kind of thing, The Great Hunt, but there are many, many shows which have started this thing. But the the Deathmatch Battle Royale thing is a massive, massive deal. And Squid Game showed us how it can be done really well. Mm -hmm. But anime has been doing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you you can go through all sorts of media to find these sorts of stories. And you can go back to Lord of the Flies. For some reason, totally, but Hunger Games is jumping into my head. Funny well, yeah, that. Yeah, that was a- Funny yeah. that. That's because- That was also a, a worldwide one. phenomenon. Yeah. But of course, many people accused that writer of stealing off huh? someone who wrote a little novel back in 1996. Mm. Now, it wasn't actually published until 1999, but I'm, of course, talking about Battle- Royale, which has been an entire genre ever since. Is that where it's because, like, honestly, if you look at Wikipedia and you look at any kind of deathmatch genre, yeah. it says battle royale genre. Did it? Did yeah. the actual term battle royale just come from from battle the movie, royale, the movie, yeah. and the book? Hundred percent. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Talk literally, about literally changed the game. 
But of course, it wasn't necessarily the first to do it. It was just the first to do it so comprehensively yeah. with, with a very established set of rules, which have now been played upon. So this came out, the movie came out in the year 2000. God, what a time and to be And the, the book was published in 1999. So let me talk about this first. So I'm talking about Battle Royale, okay, which was a novel, a manga, and a film. Many, many different things. So it was written by a Japanese author named Kushun Takami. And after he ceased being a journalist, it was originally completed in 1996, but it was not published until 1999 due to its graphic nature. But it became, as we now know, a surprise mega hit. And like international mega hit too. Mega hit. And no one wanted to touch it when he wrote it in 96 because they're like, whoa, dude, this is a bit fucked up. For those who haven't seen Battle Royale, it's pretty fucked up. Like it's graphic. It's like like Squid Game, but probably even more so actually. I feel like that was probably the first- Japanese film I saw. Me too. Yeah, no, like, it was, it was before Kira Kurosawa, before all that. I yeah, Battle it, Royale. Was it the broke one. boundaries. I man. think it really opened up. I think, like, interestingly enough, my obsession with like Japanese media would have probably started at Battle yeah, Royale. I like, I mean, I was yeah. obsessed. I wore. You were well obsessed. You yeah, were into it before I, I was. For I sure. loved you wearing a school it. uniform and stabbing people. <laughs> well, uh, for my twentieth birthday party, I dressed up as the characters and we had the full neck collar. Anyone who doesn't know about Battle Royale, uh, a bit of a just a synopsis, basically, it's set in a dystopic future in Japan where they have this new rules where they have basically a competition every year where they assign one random high school year group to a death match where they basically get thrown different backpacks and they have a different weapon, like randomly assigned weapon, and they have to fight to the death and the last person alive wins. Mm. If they, if no one dies or in three days time, the collars explode and kill them all. They try and escape. The collars will explode and kill you. So it's sort of like a, uh, you have to take part or you're going to die. Well, um, also even to the point where obviously the video game style of battle Royale has blown up. Oh yeah. Fortnite. Fortnite yeah. is the biggest game. Well, was the biggest game in the world. PUBG. Yeah. Player unknown battlegrounds. Hang on, for also a massive. novice like me, I like gaming, but I don't know about the new games. I'm, a, I'm an old school Final Fantasy girl myself, don't really know much about anything else. You've heard of Fortnite? Um, yes, of course I've heard of Fortnite. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. PUBG as well. Yes. Uh, Apex Legends. But I thought PUBG was the same as Fortnite, but they're not. Same sort of format and game where you yeah. drop okay. into an area that shrinks. Yeah. Yes. I think PUBG came before that. It did. And the difference is PUBG doesn't have the building. No. You no, don't build things um, like you're doing Fortnite. Well, how do you floss? The dance. <laughs> is that, is that, could uh, yes. I have no, been older that. in that moment? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which one do I floss in? I think it's Fortnite that they do the dances. And Correct. Stuff. Sure. Yeah. Correct. Well, yeah. Fortnite was the one that kind of brought it. Like, PUBG was a real gamer thing. And then Fortnite really made it kind of like Hunger Games, I suppose. Made it really like ubiquitous for everybody. It made it palatable. What was you know, funny like, is uh, Fortnite, the Battle Royale was a separate game. It was. The main game was a zombie survival game. That's correct. They introduced the Battle Royale mode and they just exploded and became the mega gargantuan moneymaker that we have now. And the Battle Royale, you have to play online this game, right? Yeah, that's right. There's no like- But also the whole idea of the circle shrinking, where because if you start off and you kill people and then slowly but surely the circle around the whole map shrinks until towards the very, very end, it's like you and one other person or three three or four of you in the final four, all basically on top of each other. But in this film, that happens Mm -hmm. because Ah. the collars around them Start to keep them moving. Go once they basically take certain parts of the map become uninhabitable, and, and you must beeping. very quickly yeah. move before your head explodes. So, like every single thing about this movie has been has taken yeah. by yeah. a whole video game franchise. Not, no, not even a franchise, but a whole genre. Oh, yeah, literally a genre of which there are many franchises from it. 
it's hard to, to even explain how big of an impact Battle Royale, the novel, manga, and film actually had. It's insane. And yeah, no one so talks like, about it. Why are we well, not? Why is well, it more well, I feel and, like Squid Game has opened up a new kind of conversation about Battle Royale, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Well, he was very heavily influenced by it. The writer, he's even come out and said so. And Hunger Games was like the thing about Battle Royale, the major difference between Squid Game is that it's involving adults and yes. voluntary mm. competitors, whereas Hunger Games and like took from Battle Royale, it's like school age kids. Children. I've actually read the source material, not to brag. Uh, I read, read the it. novel. You have, yes. Uh, which I is very. About Hunger Games. I've also read. The, uh, I read not the first to brag. Book. I, I read. Was very hungry. <laughs> I read the Battle Royale novel after I'd seen the film and loved it. And it's interesting because it's a, it's a fucking awesome book. If you can get your hands on it, do. But it's a mm. very different. The movie itself. I think the highlight of the film is Takeshi Kitano as the teacher. Yes, who is oh, a psychopath. He is, he is great though. He yes, really Takeshi's good. castle. He is amazing, but he's also is he like Takeshi's castle. Yeah, yeah he played, but he's also an art house film mm. beloved. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, film director. Mm-hmm. He's like the most interesting person ever. Could do a whole. TED talk on him. I love oh it. yeah. But we're talking here to talk about the. So basically, with battle royale, like those deathmatchy things. I think there was like a bit of a phase of it in the seventies or like eighties in Australia. There was like deathmatch two thousand, that kind of thing. Like there's sort of been a couple of iterations, but you're right. Battle Royale was the one that really captured everyone's attention. Yeah, well, it goes back to like the first kind of thing you see in media in the West, at least, is something called the most dangerous game in 1924, uh, yeah. Mm. which was about. A guy who was on a boat who falls off the side and ends up swimming to a seemingly uninhabited island, but is then hunted, hunted by a Russian aristocrat who is hunting the most dangerous of all men. And <laughs> <laughs> that's where it all begins. Like okay. that was one of the first times. Right. 1924. Now there was also, of course, Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not really death match. It's just like no, but it's the lawlessness and like and creating tribalism. And obviously, Battle Royale was hugely influenced by Lord of the Flies. Like that, yes. that well, Battle Royale was that. also heavily influenced by a Stephen King novel called The Long Walk. Oh, in 1979. yes, which is, which is a death match, really. Well, kind of. It's it's actually it's uh, the Long Walk is set up by a fascist government, mm, and they well. set up an entire kind of game for people to play. It's not actually necessarily like a death match per se, like the Running Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, so that's where that's what he was heavily influenced by. Well, that is what Takami was heavily influenced by. So yes, yeah, and then of course there's also the cube. I love the cube. I love cube. Okay, there this, is, the this cube. is really this is speaking to me because I thought I was so edgy when I was in high school because <laughs> my favorite movies were Cube, all of them. There's three. Yes. Was there three? There's three. There's three. Oh, got it right. First time I should back myself. Um, <laughs> Battle Royale, like all this stuff. And I thought Hunger Games is lame because I was like, I know like the coolest anime. Sitting there with your explosive collar on. Dude, you should have seen my costume. Oh. It was it was pretty average to be honest. I had a plastic around my neck and some blood splattered on me and, you know, there you go. Was well, I mean, Cube also- 3 called Cubed? Yep. Sorry? Was Cube 3 called Cubed? <laughs> I, I, I don't I think guess. so. I guess. I hope uh, so. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. there were three films, but again, that came out in 97, actually. Yeah. So that actually came out before Battle Royale. That's a great film. It is a great film. Explain it do to you people rec- who don't know. Do what you reckon it holds up? I haven't seen it for a very long time. I watched a thing recently. Um, Corridor Crew did a, you know, they break down special effects and there's a scene where a man jumps into one of the cubes and he gets sliced and diced yeah, so and how it all holds up. Yeah. Um, so I think what cube is about is people wake up in a mysterious cube. Mm-hmm. They got to get from one cube to the next and each cube has its own sort of challenge challenge or it's like booby yeah. trapped and yeah, some of them are. Yeah. You don't know what it is. And randomly for some reason in my head, there's someone jumped in. There's a man who's been in the cube for like five years or something. Mm-hmm. And he survives by sucking a button. 
You're right. That didn't. Yeah, that that, that's that didn't make that up. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, sec- the second film has a sex scene in the cube. In the cube. I was like, you know, they really Raunchy. were like, how are we going to appeal to the masses of this really obscure <laughs> like, sex cells in the cube? Oh yeah. You know what? We probably did. Sex uh, in the cube. And that was a Canadian product. Oh. Production. Yeah. Of course it was. Yeah. But again, and that's hugely influential in a lot of ways. Oh, massively, like massively. That, yeah. You know, there's like the film, the platform that came out, like, things like yep. that. Like any oh, kind so of like. Many. Well, there was that film that came out was supposed to come out last year called The Hunt. Which was cancelled, starring Betty Gilpin and Hilary Swank. Oh yeah, yeah. Which was yeah. about a bunch of conservatives who were hunted by liberal elites, putting them. At, <laughs> it's why it got cancelled. Uh, it was literally a, a death match thing, where all these like conservatives from red. It was originally the, the original product was called Red State versus Blue State. Actually, Damon Lindelof was the writer and producer of it. Really, co-writer and producer of it, and Damon Lindelof lost. The Leftovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watchmen, you yeah. know, like very, very respected man made this thing. Betty Gilpin, Hillary Swank, serious people involved. Yeah, massive actors. But Donald Trump called it out himself. This is back in 2020. was like, this is a fucking disaster. What are we doing? This is so divisive and whatever. And they mm. pulled the damn thing. Donald Trump was but it sounds pretty the voice fight, of reason. But it was like a bunch of liberal elites putting a bunch of conservatives into a death match where they basically hunted them for sport. Oof. And I get what they're trying to say, kind of. Like it's all about it's a tribalism culture. and cancel culture cancel and all this culture, sort of stuff. I get country. it, but it's like, but it's, guys, read the fucking room. Yeah, read man. the room on this one. Read the room. It got cancelled. Well, what's interesting <laughs> is like, even if, but we're still like Hunger Games. Yep, bunch of children in the- yeah. <laughs> like, That's fine. They're hungry. Yeah, like, oh my God. But I, I mean, it's, it is interesting. Like, I was thinking like things like The Purge count. Yep, a absolutely. Bit. The Purge like, does definitely count. Kind of, yep. And it's funny because it's obviously so bleak. And when you hear about it, you're kind of a bit like, ooh, but everyone is so fascinated by it. Then when Squid Games came out, that was just everyone was watching. It's the number one show in the whole world. Yeah. And because people are like, you know, it, it's so kind of ridiculous and extremist for kind of like, I guess not really in mm. a lot of ways. Yeah. But and I often think about how I do in a battle royale situation. The answer is <laughs> terribly. Oh, that'd be terrible. I always think every time I go into a workplace, it's probably way too much. I always like get drunk and talk to my coworkers about how I do in a battle royale situation. They're always like, you would do terribly. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> and I'm always like, I think I just pretend to die and you'd all forget about me and assume someone killed me and then I come end. out at the end and they were like, no, that's how you think of it happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. Like, yeah. It's like the zombie apocalypse chat. You know, I said, I, it's as much in the kind of mainstream that you can be like, what would you do in a zombie apocalypse? Or hmm. what would you do in a battle royale? Like, totally. How would you do in prison? Like all these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just outing myself as a weirdo with conversations, but like <laughs> everyone's had the zombie apocalypse conversation. Yeah, yeah. Right? Of course we have. Yeah, like, what would you guys do? Are you saying boat or are you an idiot? Like, I don't know. Uh, of course. Saying boat I've or had people talk buses. What if it's a boat you know, on the Buses. Yeah, we're getting out of the town, you know, like. Get out of the town. You got to get out of a city. Like, out of population. Yeah, but hang over. I mean, to be fair, same with the boat. It's sort of like assuming that you're starting in the best circumstance. Yeah, like you've assuming got to get I have access, access to a boat. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen a boat. A boat. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this How boat? How many friends you ever in a fucking boat? Oh, man. I'm not in like, Perth anymore. I had bunch then. <laughs> oh. I say uh, train. 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 Well, that's good. But one can you drive a train? Forward, off you go. But what if you come up to one that's not working? There's so many problems there. You find one that's working. That's the first. No, no, no. But what if one in front of you isn't? You can't push it. Isn't there an anime about that? Yeah. The Cabinary Fortress. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I'm not. I'm so about it 100%. Like anyway, sorry, we're getting <laughs> we, really, we digress. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like we, like it's such a big extreme conversation. Yes. Everyone, like yeah. And Squid Games, I think, did it probably the best since Battle Royale. Battle Royale also yeah. has a place in my heart. Yeah, mm. Battle Royale is fantastic. You know who else has done a bunch of it? Anime. Mm. Anime have done and so 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 much of it. But I wanted to talk about Battle Royale because it is, dare I say it, the undisputed king. Of the genre. In fact, the name itself the has Royale now been King. corrupted. 
into everything else. There are Battle Royale games, as we mm-hmm. just spoke about. There are Battle Royale anime. There are Battle Royale shows. I mean, Squid Game is a based off a of Battle Royale, which is one thing which a guy wrote as a novel, which was turned into a manga series, which was turned into a movie. Mm-hmm. And for it to have that much of a reach, I want to talk a little bit about it. So in the 90s, Takami came up with the original story concept after having a vivid dream. He stated in a 2009 interview, I was lying on my futon, half asleep, half awake. And I got the mental image of a teacher from a school drama I saw on TV long ago. He said, all right, class, listen up. Now today, I'm going to have you kill each other. The image of him grinning as he spoke was so vivid. I laughed, but also was terrified. And with just that, I knew I had something to write about. So that's where it came to him. And it all makes sense, right? But then also he came up with the title after discussing the concept with friends who said it sounded like a pre-imagined pro wrestling battle royale match. Takami then took particular Uh, interest in the social aspects of a battle royale match, such as how former enemies work together in order to defeat a stranger or a stronger foe, and particularly how former allies betray each other for their own glory. Wrestling is another perfect example of this. MMA. I mean, you look at this, people look at Squid Game and stuff and go, wow, that's crazy. Like, I was like, well, it's not that far from ancient Rome with the gladiator thing. I was going to say gladiators. Yeah, yeah. Gladiators, MMA, literal cage, cage fighting, which is now unbelievably ubiquitous and mm-hmm. is normalized. 20 years ago, it wasn't. It is now. Thank you know, God. You know, I was really happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we should talk about cage fights. Yeah, but you know, it's it's a whole Staying thing. Homeless it's homeless men to whole... fight in the street before <laughs> that. Like. Well, there was that terrible, back when I was a kid, there was a, there was a website called Bum Fights. Yeah, Bum Fights, yeah. You remember it, right? Wait, yeah. It was fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I went, I went to a, a private boys' school, and let me tell you, Explains fucked up. So it was fucked up. And the amount of people, have you seen bumfights.com? I was like, oh, what I is that? I disgusted by that. That's what it oh, was. Oh, it should be. Yeah, it's horrible. It was a guy who would pay homeless people to fight each other and record it and put it on the internet. So. Oh, what? Yeah. Jesus. No, it's, 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 it's all bad. bad news. It's See, give, all me, bad. give me this shit, but give me like highly fictionalized. Like I don't oh, want yeah, like, yeah. I know it's problematic, yeah. but that's an example of how like deeply problematic things in real life are bad, but obviously fictionalized. We can kind of have like a mm-hmm. guilty pleasure with it, like wrestling, which is completely fictionalized. Yes, yes. We have characters. Well, you peer behind the curtain of that pretty messed up too. Yes. But, um, oh, <laughs> God, really? Oh, God, don't. No, yeah. I don't know. Like, look, but it's the thing. It, it appeals to and reality television. As well, you know, in many ways, our big brother is essentially a us royale, locking people in. Full of it's a battle royale. Survivor is a battle royale. All of these things are this, you the know, bachelor. and it's the bachelor. Oh all of God, these things like, arguably the toughest of all. One hundred percent. And so, yeah, from the world building, he was inspired by his upbringing in nineteen sixties Japan, when large groups of revolutionaries fought back against police brutality. <laughs> his depiction of a totalitarian fascist government was also influenced by his favorite Stephen King novel, which I mentioned before, *The Long Walk*, mm-hmm. which is about a walking contest organized by a totalitarian government. This is where it all comes from. Is right? Takeshi's Castle just the Hunger Games, just with like oh my, no one dies? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. We not. We can't confirm that no one died in that show. It's brutal. So it's so savage. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, it's insane. And, I mean, Kill Bill was heavily influenced by this film as well. Uh, Tarantino has said as much. Also, of course, we spoke about it before, Suzanne Collins with- Hunger Games. (laughs) Hunger Games. And she has sworn black and blue that- she has never even seen Battle Royale before writing it. To be fair, I, I could, could see. I could believe I that. Could believe I could believe that. that. Like, I, I think I, I'm that not going to sit here and say anything else. But like, not, and as we said, like yeah. we're like even Battle Royale. We're like it's not original. It's obviously like you can just look back to Gladiators or this. Yeah, kind of, like, or the Cube. Kind of, and, I mean, Cube is so still many, like so, so many, many things. But it's just that what what Takami did with Battle Royale was bring all those elements together so yeah. cleanly. Oh yeah, so effectively. Yeah, you know, and it's then been taken on since then. But also from around the same time was an anime. Called Gantz. Oh God, we're here. so Graham. We're here. We're, here. Um, we're going to talk about before we get 
too here. bogged down into the whole history of every battle royale ever existed. <laughs> let's talk about the animes, which if you like Squid Game, you can watch these. And let's track it because Gantz was actually came out in 2000 as well. 2004. Yeah. I believe. So I'll, I guess I'll break down Gantz, mm. which I will refer to my notes here. So written and illustrated by Hiroya Oko by Gonzo Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might know them as the studio that did Afro Samurai, mm-hmm. Full Metal Panic and Helsing. Gantz came out around 2004 which the aesthetic really is 2004. Oh, yeah. A lot of black leather PVC, very tight clothes, hyper-violent sort of show. The story follows Kai Korono and Masuru Kanto. They're basically two high school students that are killed in the stupidest accent I've ever seen. <laughs> it's um, a train though, right? It's a train. It's a train. But not not so, a truck. Not a truck. That was this is yeah, pre-truck. No, no. But at least when someone gets hit by a truck, it's always like, oh, it's a sudden thing. So, spoilers, what happens is a, a, a drunk homeless man falls onto a train track and the two high school students go to help him out. They get him up on the up on the train, uh, what do you call it, the platform? Yep. And then instead of them just jumping on the, like, three-foot-high platform, they decide to run down the track and they get hit by a train and die. <laughs> it happens. It doesn't? Does <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> does it really? I'm not taking enough trains. Zombie apocalypse. That's when I'll get off that's the train. That's when you get off yeah, the train. You love, you love Exclusively train. for the zombie train. apocalypse. Uh, Charlotte's on a boat. I'm on a bus. You're on a train. I'm on a train. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Be like with like the Orient Express or fine dining cars or something. Oh, look at those. Oh look at those peasants. Nice. <laughs> Big fucking cigarette. Um, yeah, so they die. They, they run down the platform. They get beheaded. And then there's this sort of inner monologue where the students are like, what are these people looking at? Because obviously they're beheaded. So just as they're about to die, they get teleported or transported or 3D printed into a room by Gantz, which is this black, what do you call that shape? A sphere. Round sphere. Thank you. It looks like one of those, like, tell my future. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yes. what are those called? Um, tell my future. Magic April. <laughs> Magic April. And they are basically <laughs> recruited with a bunch of other people who have just died at the time to basically the bounty hunters for aliens that are living amongst us. They go out on missions, they get specialized weapons, they get specialized suits, and the aim of the game is to survive to the next round. And as you kill aliens and work your way through it, you're accruing points. Mm. And what these points are, I don't know, because I only watched seven episodes. Mm -hmm. That's basically the gist, and I did not like it. I I have also also watched Gantz, like back in the ball, I watched Gantz about 10 years ago when it, I mean, not when it first came out, obviously, but later on, because yeah. I'd heard so much about it. Look, Gantz, I know- it feels to me like it's an influential show yeah. without actually being very good. It hasn't held up. Yeah, look, some of it you didn't watch it in your edgy yeah. teen phase and it shows, because I loved it when I watched it in my yeah. edgy teen phase. Yeah. I remember yeah. thinking Gantz was like the coolest. Now, looking back, absolutely not. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's so yeah. It's a trash dumb. But again, but like if you watched it in important. 2004, then yes. things like The Matrix and stuff are coming around and all these science fiction concepts or like mm. permeating pop culture, you can go, oh, you can get on board with it. But looking at it now, if it's really bad rendered CGI, like spheres and rooms, mm-hmm. it's characters are atrocious as well. Like the yeah. main character is such a piece of shit. Yeah. The, the sound editing, I'm going to talk shit about this show. So yeah, like, people go love for it. it like, I, don't I think people like more the of source an... material more than they like the anime. Yeah. yeah Cause I, the manga came out so. in the year 2000. So yeah. like yeah. early, early, again, it's just, it's an important piece again yeah. for the deathmatch battle Royale 100%. genre, which started many things in the manga and anime industry. In fact, like I say, it would have come out simultaneously with Battle Royale. Yeah. So ne- not necessarily influenced by each other at all, just simultaneous. I think, again, like Charlie was saying, if I was 14 years old, I'd be like Gantz's life. Yes. But as someone who's in their 30s. Um, Gantz ain't life. Gantz ain't life. 
Gans, Gans ain't lying. Can confirm. Um, it's true. And it's just, it's one of the, like the, the sound editing is absolutely atrocious as well. Mm. Like it's got a really weird sort of reggae hip hop opening theme, which is, <laughs> it's so bizarre. And so it's it, it, this, the, the choices are baffling. <laughs> When they're trying to build tension for anything, there's just random sounds of like, like dentist drills and like drawers opening and stuff. Like it's it's terrible. It's absolutely shocking. Like, it pulls me out every, every episode I watched. I was like, what random cacophony of sounds are they going to chuck at me now? Like symbols and shit. For like guys going to go to bed and there's symbols playing in the background. Like, what the fuck is this? No um, sleeping to that. <laughs> plus, it is insanely horny. Yeah, oh, no, it's sure. actually yeah. deeply problematic. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's so true. Yes, it is, yes. Like, the first, the first <laughs> female character you're introduced to arrives naked in the room with the dead people. Yeah. Um, and then, for some reason, there's a dog that just randomly starts licking her genitals. And she's yes, like, oh, stop. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Who's, yeah. the, who's that for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's that audience? That's not for horny teenage boys. That's for some weird bestiality shit. Yeah, that's very yeah, strange. No, that's That's... Like proto furry shit going that's on. That's like edgy for the sake of being edgy. Yeah, there's it's no like, reason for yeah. it. Okay, why? Yeah, it's it's no, certainly it's aged bad, very very bad. poorly. Aged terribly. Probably shouldn't have been like yeah. But at the time, we thought it was edgy when we were fourteen when I watched it. But yeah, under the death match, I mean, it, it might it might improve. But like from what I saw, it was a struggle. I can't and I watched K on, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched more of K on than I watched of this. I can't actually yeah. remember Gantz that well. I remember is the train scene, yeah, and I remember yeah. they did a live action, which I think they actually adjusted a lot of the problem. Yeah, they also made a three D sort of yeah, uh, like, CGI. Yeah, not long ago. But yeah, it's again, it's it's the whole thing of like killing aliens, and if you kill the aliens, you get the points, and then you can go back into real life, and you get to spend your day. All that, yeah, being you know, like your death never happened. Yes, apart from the girl who slits her wrist in the bath, but then she's revived at the hospital after the process has happened, which is actually quite interesting because she's not just like she's lost her entire life. Mm. She doesn't have anything, then she has to go live with this horny dude. Just constantly yeah, like feeling her up and stuff. It's, like, yeah, but the actual story, the actual mechanics of how that happened is quite interesting. It's just buried under all like the, her taking a shower and stuff. Yeah, it's. Oh, so yeah. it's I I did. I again, I tried to watch it about ten years ago, and I probably got about ten episodes in before I was like, "This kind of sucks." Like, yeah, yeah. And the soundtrack, a lot, is lot of problems, a lot of problems, a lot of problems. Honestly, I can hear it now. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. So I think the reason we put it on the list here is because it's very important. In regards yeah. to like this genre. In a death game sort of yeah. space. It's very famous. Yeah. Very famous. But again, not something I'm going to sit here and tell people to watch. Yeah. There's a good show in there. Yeah. I mean, if they were to do a remake today and like tone that stuff down and. My work. I think it'd be fine. Mm. It's just all that. It's just poor production and poor storytelling shows. Yeah. Early 2000s Edgeward yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Literally yeah. the year 2000. Yeah. The manga came out. So yeah, it's, yeah, it suffers um, for probably the time it was made. Twenty-one years old. Yeah, yeah, and like it's not excusing any of the problematic issues, but like, yeah, it's just like, ugh. So but, basically, don't watch it. There's heaps of other stuff to no, watch. No, don't. But I wanted to bring it up because I think it's yeah. like it's so important to have this whole genre spawning in the anime mm. sphere, right? Mm-hmm. So Charlie, why don't you tell us about your show, oh, which is also of one of the speaking of Edge Lord and like slightly problematic? <laughs> yeah. Well, funnily enough, <laughs> the genre is. Pretty problematic. Yeah, it is. And I yeah. think that it really does because it has- Better or else, fuck, too. It is. It is, it's absolutely. It's really rough, you know? Yeah, but so like, again, game. So it's really, game. Yeah. Messed up. I, I say, this really enhances an edgelord kind of behavior and it brings up like a 2000s vibe with it. I don't know. Sorry, you saying? I think it's because once you take away the social constructs of what we all live by and you're just left with like that lawlessness, mm. like mm. this is the perception anyway that people just seem to be murdering, pillaging 
all the way through it. Totally. So I guess that's inherent to the actual genre itself. Yeah. And I think that's obviously a big part of it. You know, Walking Dead, all of these sort of like post-apocalyptic shows, mm. you know, it's, it's half of the currency they're dealing in is is brutality. Mm. And that's half the reason we want to watch it too. We, you know, because it is that fucked up voyeuristic, like fucked up reality television. Or, you know, take reality television to its most extreme. Yeah. Go back to the Coliseum. All sport is essentially Frogs just metaphors tigers. for war. You know, like it's all there. Yeah. And so when you see these things, which are basically just metaphors for humans at their most base level mm. and fighting for their lives, you know set construct of rules, we can all empathize with it to a degree, you know, because yeah. like, oh, what, as you said before, what would I do in that situation? Probably, hopefully none of that. You know, like, but, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, in Squid Game, you know, the great, the great thing about this, you know, anyone who hasn't seen it, you probably should have seen it by now, but the two league guys diametrically opposed, yes. you know, like one, one tr- chooses virtue and one chooses Violence. victory, you know, and, and like whatever it <laughs> takes yeah. kind of thing, which is also, of course, especially nowadays, Metaphor for capitalism. Yep. And of course, Squid Game, a whole massive part of it is is this huge debt culture, which is prevalent in South Korea right now. It's, it's, it's so easy to get a personal loan and they cripple people. I'm not going to get too bogged down in this, but like there's a massive thing yeah. which is happening in Korea right now. South Korea, obviously not North, <laughs> different kettle of fish. There are always these stories come from the context from which they derive. And so, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And I think Japan's are really interesting too. And, and Japanese and, and Korean cultures are, you know, very intertwined mm. and very complicated. Yep, and I don't want to talk about Japanese and Korean history, but it's uh, it's a it's a very very interesting to say the least. Yeah, rich and history I, and not necessarily good. I think it's important yeah. to note in these particular ones we're talking about, like some of them feature death game matches that are voluntary for people to yes. play in, like Squid yes. Game. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it voluntary? I think like, people yes. actually get uh, and other ones really are like choice, yeah. you get hit by a train and you get decapitated and then you're, yeah, and you're yeah. stuck in alien terrible, hunting land. Yes. Terrible soundtrack. <laughs> Drills um, and draws. Bad. Hunger Games again, not that you get drawn out of a hat, yep. like that, that kind of thing. I think that like the more like involuntary it is, the more edgy the show it seems to yes. be as well. Yes. Like, mm. So on that note, yes. not that this is as edgy as Gantz. I don't think it is. No. But it definitely Still follows right suit. Like it definitely has got a heart in its 2008 release date for the manga. Yes. 2011 for the anime. Yep. Still old. 10 years old. Yeah. I mean, we're old. <laughs> so what you say? That was no, there's no That's point true. to that statement, but yeah. So I'm talking about a show called Mariah Nikkei and it is actually translated to be The Future Diary. Mm -hmm. So I actually was pretty late to the party this one and I only watched it for the first time for this episode. So it's one of those very famous animes and everyone. And I know the characters. There's a very, um, very, I'll get into this soon. There's some very um, (laughs) iconic characters in the show that are like the kind of the level of how people like it's sort of people. Have you cosplayed any of them? No, I haven't. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Damn. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> wait. Uh, I go as the diary. As the diary. Oh, like, everyone's just like, okie dokie. Like, um, I'm so, a deaf note. <laughs> so I'll give you a quick synopsis about this show. Yes. Yukitero Amano is a protagonist. He's 14 years old. He is a loner. And he basically goes to high school every day, doesn't speak to anyone, but he has his cell phone, which he has a diary in. His oh. cell phone, which is like a really hilariously 2000s like flip phone thing. A flippy one? Yeah. Nice. And he just basically, it's not even a diary. It's important though for a plot point that he just writes what literally what happens around him. So he's like, these people went to lunch and he like just meticulously always is writing in his, his diary. Diary. One might say. Future diary? No, maybe. Anyway, but it's mm. funny because he's like, but also the way he copes, because his mum's always absent working, whatever, he copes by going into his imagination. So he goes home and he shuts his eyes and he talks to his imaginary friend, 
who is a deus machina. So literally the God of space and time. And he's just like, thank God for my imaginary friend, the God of space and time, who's this big giant, pretty bad CG at this point in time. Yeah, but like, point, at the t- yeah. honestly, I was like, I like the design, but yeah. basically all this shit happens. And the God is like, you know what? I choose you to take part in this contest. This kid's like, good one, imaginary friend. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, he's walking to Lol school jokes. and he looks at his phone and he goes to write it and he sees that there's already entries in there. And everything that happens suddenly, he's like, oh, my God, it's predicting the future. It's like a future diary. Ooh. Yeah. So basically- it's in the title. Then the all title. this shit happens. He realises as he reads the diary that he's about to die. It's like you're going to- And then it's like end game. Was there a train yeah. coming? And just really <laughs> just like, oh, they get all linked up at this point. But- um. <laughs> Basically, this one's interesting. I feel like this is a combination of the two shows we're going to talk about. Yes. Because he gets a death notice. I think it's called that. It's like end mm-hmm. game or end of game or whatever. And then the serial killer tries to kill him. But then this girl in his class suddenly appears and fights the person down and helps him out. Turns out she also has a diary of some description, a phone diary. Basically, he then gets summoned to Deus Machina's thing and he's there and you can't. It's actually, really, actually a really cool scene where they're yeah, all standing on the clock thing and they're all kind of disguised and he finds out that he's now in a contest to become the next Deus Machina and you can use, everyone has a different style of phone diary. Oh, so it's all so phone he's got, yep, he's got the future yeah, diary, right. but everyone future has diaries. mysterious ones and he has a target on his back because Deus Machina says that he's the favourite to win. And basically no one knows they have to figure out who they are and the last one standing becomes the new god of space and time. Yes. Sounds like Platinum End. Yeah, that is. Very much so. Straight up Platinum End, but yeah. like the flip well, There's all this death note stuff, you know. Dude, and because yeah. death match thing. It's, yeah. it's all the same genre, just different just plots different plugged in. And right? because of the aesthetic, it actually reminds me because I think like I feel like because of that late 2000, early 2010s yeah. kind of aesthetic, it actually looks a bit like Death Note. Like it looks kind oh, of yeah. emo aesthetic kind of oh, thing. Yeah. And like, but it's actually, so the show itself is famously edgy. You know, there's lots of Ooh. violence, <laughs> yeah. lots of weird fan service. But yeah. most importantly, it has got a very, very famous female lead. Mm-hmm. She's not a protagonist, but she is the female protagonist. And she is what we would describe as a Yandia, who right. is a character archetype in anime, which is, so there is Sundia, mm-hmm. who Sundia. is the- yep. Basically, Sundia means that you are, if you've seen Neon Genesis Evangelion, Asuka is a perfect example of this. Actually, yep. Asuka and Rey are too. They both are. Oh, yeah. Basically, Asuka it means that so, you're yeah. kind of like, you show your affection by being angry and you can't like, when you're kind of, you're loud and aggressive to the yeah. person you, you like. You start off not liking the person and then later on like them. It's kind of. But you still of, react in an aggressive yeah. way yes. and you're loud and like a lot, like um, Toradora is a great example of that. But Yandia is where... They start off sweet and lovely, but it turns out they're actually psychopathically obsessed with you. Mm-hmm. So this character is the most popular girl in his year. It turns out she's been stalking him. Her diary is the love diary oh. and it is only information about him and he's never even known that she's even looked at him, but she's actually completely obsessed. Like I feel like it's a famous anime image. She's got pink hair and she's always like yeah. looking creepy and that's like she's like a famous, very famous character. She's from Future Diary. So as a whole, I say embarrassingly enough, I enjoyed myself watching <laughs> I was like, this is so stupid. Like so many edgy things happen. There's people dying for no reason, lots of stabbing in eyes and like hecticness and like weird yeah. gods for Super no reason. Violent. Like it's pretty full on. But if you want some trash and some like, you know, like some, you know, there's, there's at least like some, like it, it's kind of good fun to watch, but I mean, it's problematic. But I would say Future Diary is not as trashy as Gantz in that way. Yeah, or like right, not as, yeah. it sort of knows itself a bit better because they're yeah. dealing with gods. Yeah. Like a lot of the characters have like supernatural abilities. Like I feel like Gantz is a bit more like. like it's Matrix. Sort of quite seriously, yeah. Yeah. I, Matrix, I think that, but they don't go anywhere interesting. It's just yeah. Like, Future <laughs> Diary just has, like, has some humour about yeah. it. And, well, also it's more of wherever itself because it's later in the game of the genre. 
You know, yeah, like, but it's still edgelord bullshit. Oh, and yeah. um I would oh, rec- yeah. I re- think there's better deathmatch things out there for if you but if you really want to have a throwback, um it's pretty I think it's kind of harmless in that way. I want to watch a classic battle royale deathmatch anime. Mariah Nikki is one of the Oh, if you fun. Google it, if yeah. you Google it, it will be the first thing that comes up. Okay. Like almost no question. Or it will be what I'm about to talk about, mm-hmm. which the, is uh, the high end. Yeah, Sam winning. got the good one. It's one of my favorite shows too. So well, I can talk about it. Interestingly, what I'm about to talk about, yes, yeah. very much one of the top. But this whole multimedia conglomerate monster is also full of trash. <laughs> this is the Fate series. Oh, God. oh yeah, it's I mostly trash. This. Now, yeah, I yeah. have wanted to talk about the Fate series for a long time on this podcast, but I've deliberately stayed away from it because not only. If I was to go through the actual whole Fate series from top to bottom, not only would it take this whole episode, it would take the whole series. It would take forever. This thing is an absolute behemoth. Never look up Watch Order because it is Don't watch the like- Watch Order. It's like, and, and let me tell you, I've watched five different Fate series, okay? I've, I've, I've done watched- a lot. And there's like one every season. I'm like, Fate they slash never- Charlie. I'm like, oh, stop. I'll guess I'll watch Fate. <laughs> Charlie. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's like my life somehow, slice of life. I'm like, what the hell? Like, Just different versions of Charlie, never, different cosplay. It never stops. It never ends. But the one that I'm going to talk about is, of course, Fate Zero. Mm. And if you haven't watched Fate Zero, you very much should, because this is in my top ten. I feel like it's the only one I've ever watched. Well, as you should. It's all you need to yeah. watch, because the rest uh, of it, honestly, kind of sucks. What's the other one? The other Thursday one. Stay Night. Yeah, I watched that too. Yeah, look, Fate, that was the original. Not as good. No, it's not. Zero is better. But yeah, let me explain this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to, before I get to the actual synopsis of what Fate Zero is, I'm going to have to explain a whole bunch of things. So please bear with me. But this, I'm going to TLDR this as much as I can. Please, for the love of But this is God. a massive fucking <laughs> enterprise. Should, it's a huge. thing, you should watch Gigook's YouTube video about him trying to unscramble the Fate <laughs> It's like an thing. hour long. It's, it's, yeah, it's huge. It's madness. Like, honestly, it's, it's the, <laughs> like, I'm only going to breeze over this as fast as I can, but like, let me explain. So Fate Zero is a Japanese light novel written by Gen Urobuchi, who wrote Puella Madoka Magica. He also wrote Psycho Pass. Oh, so like this guy oh, yeah. is, this yeah. is why Fate Zero is so fucking so good, good yeah. because yeah. this guy has a gun. And the animation, obviously. Uh, you we'll get we'll, there. Yes, we'll get there. But illustrated by Takahashi Takeuchi, who basically illustrated most of the early fates and is a prequel to all roots in type moon's visual novel fate stay night it was written in 2006 and was serialized as a manga from 2011 to 2017 published by kodakawa shoten so a visual novel let me explain what that is because we've talked about a few of them on this podcast but i'm just gonna go through what is what is a visual novel what is a light novel gets kind of confusing even for me but let me explain once and for all what this stuff is. So a visual novel is an interactive fiction video game genre featuring text-based story with narrative style of literature and interactivity aided by static or sprite-based visuals. Most often drawn in anime style, but sometimes live action stills are used. They resemble mixed media novels. It's basically a choose your own adventure, but a game. They're games, but they're novels. It's yeah. weird. Like Science Gate is a visual Science novel. Gate is one of them. And so is Clannad. Clannad Love Story. ReZero is a, is a, a light novel. Light novel. Oh. This is my point. This oh is why I'm breaking these down. <laughs> but Clannad After Story, visual novel. Steins Gate, visual novel, which were all adapted into mangas and animes. But they are basically video games, which you choose. And it's mostly clicking through text with static vid- visuals. And then you go through them. Like a choose your own adventure novel. That's what they are. So visual novels are especially prevalent in Japan, where they made up nearly 70% of all PC games released in 2006 at their peak. These games are separate from adventure games, which incorporate problem solving and other types of gameplay. Visual novels consist primarily of narration and have very 
few interactive elements. And many of the more famous visual novels, as we just said, they've been adapted into light novels, they get adapted into mangas and animes, and of course we've got Face Day Night, Clannad, Steinsgate. This has all begun from the visual novels. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a whole thing. How are they different from a Tomy-like dating game, so? Also, a lot of them can be dating sims and or hentai. I mean, fate is hentai, right? Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Some of them straddle the, the line. Like some of them are full hentai. Some of them are like dating sims slash uh, okay. games. Like it's, it's, it's quite a blurry line This is a here. really- It's, it's a yeah. fascinating topic. This is why I've been so reticent to touch it because it's so big. Yeah. It's so it's just, I'm doing my research, I've got- I've only got five pages. But oh um, it's, um, it's, it's just, there's so much. There's so much here. So let's now talk about what a light novel is which also is kind of confusing, but really when you, when you break it down, it's quite simple. So a light novel is a style of Japanese young adult novel primarily targeting high school and middle school students. The average length of a light novel is 50,000 words and they're usually published in bankoban style. So like kind of like manga, mm. smaller, and often they are done with dense publishing schedules. And light novels are commonly illustrated in manga art style and often uh, adapted into manga and anime, as we know. Whilst most light novels are published only as books, some have their chapters first serialized in anthology magazines before being collected, not dissimilar to how manga is published. And some famous light novels are, of course, Spice and Wolf, The Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, ReZero, Sword Art Online, and the Monogatari series. So a lot of, and a lot of these start off as web novels. Different thing again. Yeah. I know about web novels. <laughs> yes. These are just simply stories published exclusively on the web, which gain followings. And a lot of them are part of like websites, which sort of have basically your foyer into countless web novels, which you can click through. And if they become successful, they'll become published as light novels, which basically means they're published into physical books. So yeah, it's a whole thing. So light novels, web novels, visual novels, games, web novels, things published as text on the web and light novels, which get published into mostly small looking Novels. So that is stuff. the three big differences. And then they get adapt- adapted into manga, yeah. anime, et cetera, et cetera. Well, not really. That's it. Manga and anime. Whatever else is out there. Sure. But yeah, so look, I just wanted to explain that because it, even for me, it's like sometimes I get confused. I'm like, wait, light novel, vision novel? What the fuck's the difference? That's the difference. There you go. But Fate Stay Night was the progenitor of this whole franchise. And it was an originally an adult visual novel. So again, a game developed by Type Moon and originally released for Windows on January 30th, 2004. Now there are three main plot routes, which each player can take again, like the choose your own adventure thing. You got the fate route, the unlimited blade works route and the heavens feel route. So a manga series was then serialized in Kotakawa Shoten's Shoten Ace ma- magazine between February 2006 and December 2012. A 24-episode anime series called Fate Stay Night, which was the first, was created by Studio Dean, who made Rooney Kenshin, Original Fruits Basket, Log Horizon, and that aired in 2006, which followed the fate route of the visual novel. This was followed by a movie, which was the original Fate Stone Night Unlimited Blade Works, also created by Studio Dean in 2010. Not to be confused... With the season of Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works made by Ufotable in 2015, which followed the second route of the visual novel like it like the movie, but did it far more in depth. So then of course you've got Fate Stay Night Heaven's Feel, which were three movies following the third route of the visual novel. The first film was called Presage Flower, which was released in 2017, the second Lost Butterfly, 2019, and the final film, Spring Song in 2020. That was all by Ufotable. Mm. So that was basically the one game three different routes of the choose your own adventure done by different studios. And they're all so different with the same characters doing completely different things. 
So this is why it gets so unbelievably confusing. And this is just one part of it, one part. But I can't begin to tell you how big this franchise is. I mean, in 2019, they released Fate Grand Order, which was a game, a gacha game. Mm. And that was on Twitter in 2019, Fate Grand Order was mentioned 1.2 billion times on Twitter, usurping Fortnite, usurping everything before it. And for a fucking mobile game, which started off as a visual novel, is just insane. It made $4 billion as a free mobile game. Those gacha 3. games, 3. man. 3.3 billion coming from Japan. People shelling out big bucks for JPEGs of anime girls. Dude, it's like, insane that's, that's, that's it is. how big this fucking thing is. And I'll explain how the gacha thing sort of works to a degree, but the general premise. <laughs> so, Sam, why does all this matter? Why are you confusing everybody? Well, yeah, I was like, get, come on. Here it what's is. What's a gacha game? The general premise. Well, what's a gacha game is basically you get to pull, kind of like a pulling a fucking poker machine to get a character. There are many different characters. It's a loot box. It's all system. random. It's a loot box it's system. Just a loot box. Loot box system yeah. and it's randomized and you can pay money to get various loot boxes to pull a specific character. Yeah. Which you will then control for the game, but it's all random. So why I is this see important? Why that's addictive. Like I'm already like Of course oh it's addictive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So why is this important? So let me explain what the general premise of the Fate series is, and then I'll talk about Fate Zero. I'm sorry for this being confusing, but there's so much to get through. So we should just leave. Honestly, <laughs> <Come> back. <laughs> well, the series always, always focuses around an event called the Holy Grail Wars, and they involve masters, generally accomplished mages, summoning servants who are heroic spirits who battle each other until the last remaining pair can claim the Holy Grail, which can grant any wish. That's basically what yeah. this thing is. So when you're playing a gacha game, of course, you're Pulling. playing to pull the best yeah. heroic spirit, the best servant. Right. I want Saber, so I'll everyone wants Saber. Million dollars. Now, why do you say that? Because now I want Gilgamesh, actually. Everyone wants Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. But again, there's different classes of and generally there's seven classes. It gets it gets more complicated than that. But let's keep it simple. There are seven classes. You've got Assassin, you've got Lancer, you've got Rider, uh, you've like got Lancer. Caster, you've got Archer, you've got Berserker, you've got Saber. Every 60 years, the Holy Grail War is called. The masters are chosen kind of at random. The, yeah. the famous mage families have ways of kind of Making it work don't for them. Don't you have them. to summon? You have to do a do some kind of you do ceremony, but you get picked. So you get picked, and what happens is command seals appear upon one's hand, like a stigmata type thing, oh, like and virtual those- prison. <laughs> Like virtual is, prison. Is actually, honestly, we'd be surprised if virtual prison is fate slash virtual <laughs> prison. <laughs> like I would like the vampire Eurovision. The 59th installment of the honestly, base. Yeah, it like, would make more honestly. sense than half of them there. It would. It would. So Sorry. you get this command sales appeal up here and then you get to summon. You must, as a mage, generally it's mages who get picked, but sometimes it's completely random people who get picked like as well. Like killers. And- well, just, yeah, completely randos. And you've got to pull these seven heroes, but you then get attributed a class and then to summon a hero to make it work in your favor. For example, you could summon Hercules. You could summon Lancelot. You could summon Sir Arthur, which is Saber, uh, the best one. Is Hercules in one of them? He is. Is he Ryder? No, he's Berserker. Oh, is he Berserker? In Heaven's Feel. Interesting. So it's crazy, but this is all historical figures, which is all like historical very cool. figures. So like all history the history is fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all these sorts of things. But basically, you can summon them into different classes, and that's how you can get power. So basically, if you summon Gilgamesh, as in the tale of Gilgamesh, the old, or the oldest bit of fiction that exists, as an archer, you basically win because he's OP. Or do you? However, <laughs> don't spoil the series. However, again, the command seals 
you can use three commands to make the servant do whatever you want. You have three of them, but you also have to have a relationship with them because if they don't listen to you, like perhaps Gilgamesh, who is so arrogant that he doesn't give a fuck about what you're going to say to him. If you're wasting command cells and be like, hey, dude, go over there. Mm. You're going to lose to someone who's actually friends with their servant Who's like, hey, bro, like, help me out. And they're like, yeah, cool, no worries. Yeah. No um, need for a command seal, bro. And it's like, you know, Eric things like if you have, if you have um, Berserker, they're usually insane. So they won't listen to anything you're Correct. saying, but they're the strongest. So it's thing where you're kind of like, there's a, it's actually, actually fun. Like, it's actually Lance a really fun is a show. really, really loyal. Lancer is a great like, I like how I'm talking like dog, dog breeds. I'm like, yeah. Lance yeah. is really loyal, but, but like, this is smart. how it works. Like, they don't so you shed. Can, you can see how this show works. Right? Oh, so it's a battle royale. So every 60 years, seven different mages are picked to battle for. The Holy Grail, which grants you any wish. There are three major families, the Einsburns, the Mataus, and the Tosakas, mm. who started this whole thing. I'm not going to get too detailed into this, but they started the whole thing. So they always have at least someone competing for them. And then there's many other people who get to join. But you to get a heroic spirit that you want, you need to find a piece of them as a relic. So you can find, say, Sir Arthur's sword, which is Excalibur, yeah, just, or a bit casually. of- or just a bit Just found Excalibur. Yeah, just found Excalibur. Or, 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 or yeah, a symbol of their clothing. Though, like, do you think like, when we're dead in the ground, do you think that they do this again? You're like, summon Conor McGregor? <laughs> like, what, like, like, That's actually an interesting point. Like, he's a modern warrior. He's a modern warrior. Ben Robert Smith or something, which is like kind of messed up. Like, I don't know. Like, who would you summon? And who would you want to fight Mike Tyson? I don't know. Like, who knows? Like, seriously, I'm trying to think of who the fuck you would summon. The Rock? The Rock. The Rock. Like, I would summon The Rock. Stone Cold Steve. My God, Stone Cold Steve. Rest oh, you. Like, They're coming in to fight for the Holy Grail. Yeah, like, just, just find like, a Rock's eyebrow somewhere. Like, ah. <laughs> I, yeah, genuinely. But yeah, so basically, Sorry. before yeah. we get too bogged down in this, there are so many fake Jesus, shows. Five I've watched five <laughs> of them, at least. Okay, and let me tell you, all of them fucking suck, except- Fate Zero. Fate Zero, yeah. Fate Zero made by Ufotable, mm-hmm. Demon Slayer. And of course, they, they also got very, very famous for this. This In is fact, how they- I reckon Feel, the movies they made, yeah. and Fate Zero, which they made, made them- Famous. I think that the fight scenes in Fate Zero are better than Demon Slayer because they didn't They're have to follow the manga um, yeah. source yeah, material. So they off, have yeah. like, they're fighting the way that they like stitch in CG and it's, it's, it's they're truly it's, it's, stunning. It's, it's stunning. absolutely stunning. And like, I've gone back and started rewatching it for this podcast. And like, I remember at the time as well, I watched it five or six years ago. I remember just being like, this is actually fucking amazing. What so year was it? Sorry. It came Did out in 2011. Yes. Mm. Same as Future Diaries. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what so a year. similar. What a year. <laughs> so I will tell you a little bit about Fate Zero. So it's set 10 years before the events of Fate's Day Night, which was the first one released in 2006, and tells the story of the fourth Holy Grail War. So the story follows Emiya Kiritsugu, who is the foster father of Shira Emiya, who is the protagonist of Fate's Day Night. It gets very confusing. So the Einsberg family, one of the three great families, is determined to achieve victory because they have failed in the previous three times because they're actually alchemists purely, so their battle potential sucks. Mate. However, after their failures, they decide that they're going to win this one, no matter what. So as a result, they've decided to enlist the services of the notorious mage killer, Kiritsugu Emiya. Despite his dubious methods and brutal reputation as a skilled mercenary who employs whatever methods he deems necessary to achieve his goals, Kiritsugu is basically someone who wanted to be a hero, 
back when he was young, but then realized that saving someone often comes at the expense of someone else's life. This has led him to a bleak and harsh existence as he's constantly in conflict with himself. So for the sake of humanity, he has resolved to ruthlessly destroy anything and anyone who threatens the peace of others, which means he wants to get into this Holy Grail war and fuck everybody up and win it for himself. Even though he's been like puppeted by one of the major families, he's actually got his own thing going on. And he's a great, great character. So Kiritsugu finds himself deeply torn between the love he has found and he has been married into the Einsberg family. And his wife is Israel Einsberg, who's actually the master of Saber, and their daughter, Ilya. And he must do everything he can to achieve the grail. So they've kind of got him, they're manipulating him yeah. quite heavily, but he's got his own thing going on. It's quite fascinating. But then Kuritsugu's greatest opponent, who is one of my favorite antagonists of all time, and I should have brought him up in my video, which I'm doing spoiler for YouTube. Spoiler to call him but antagonist. Yes, it is a bit of a spoiler, but it's pretty obvious from the start. I watched the first episode last night and I was like, oh, yeah, you're definitely uh, the better guy. He's like painted, uh, yeah. He painted as like a hero star. Yeah, he starts off like, being oh, like, kind of, this guy's kind of cool. He's, he's, a, he's a priest. He's a priest. Yeah. And the, yeah, priest, the priests are like, the, the church oversee the Holy Grail War every 60 years, but of course they're still biased as fuck. But that is Kotomine Kire. It's quite obvious that he's got something wrong with him. He's yeah. a little bit fucked up. Yeah. But then he sees Kuritsugu as someone who might be able to fill the void left in his soul. And he's like, wait, me and him, if we can fight, maybe, maybe this will be worth my while. So that's where the whole conflict comes in. So yes, that's basically the whole thing. And yeah, but it's how good's Ryder though? Ryder, Ryder, Alexander the Great. Fucking awesome. Oh my God. So cool. And he gets, again, we were saying before, you got the three big families, the big majors get summoned. Sometimes randos get yeah. picked. This kid who was mad at his master, so he stole. He'd have to have an artifact to summon them. <laughs> yes, and he just like did it and then ended up, this is not if it happens in the first episode. Yep. And he's just a scrawny child, like a scrawny school also kid. Also railing against the whole hierarchy of majors, yeah. which of course you can imagine a lot of elitism going on. And Ryder is a very strong, like it's- well, I, he, I, he pulls in the gacha style pulls Alexander the Great in the Ryder category, which is very strong. Yeah. And But, of course, they have a great conflict because Ryder doesn't respect him at first and he's like, you're a little bitch. I'm, I'm Alexander <laughs> the Great. What are you doing? But then their relationship no, as, the it, as yeah. it deepens throughout yeah. the show is the best thing. It's so good. Like, honestly, Fate Zero. I'm going to go watch it. It's fucking no, it's really, really good. I watched it it's about so 10 years good. ago, but, yeah, if you yeah, I like just want to know who's who as well because I keep their identity secret from each other. Also, it's funny because it's a death match between people who don't who are already dead, so they don't mind battling each other that the much. The servants don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. So, and also servants are for majority. They have their own kind of set of morals, and a lot of them are just happy to like be like. A lot of them are kind of like it's an honor to fight you, like blah yes, blah. Lancer. You know, like and they have like a honorable match or whatever. And then some of them they kind of disrespect, so they will team up to fight against those. So, so like the, yes. the servants have their own set of rules. And it's really fun to guess who they are because you don't know at start. Like no, you get they, like a- They're slow to get revealed. Yeah. And it's really fun because you're kind of like, who the hell is that? Archer Gilgamesh is technically like on paper by far the most powerful servant you could possibly imagine, but it is such a fuckhead. Yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, he comes in and he's like, I'm God. Who are you? Oh, you're a trash person. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, he's a Like just sits around drinking wine and he's like, do something. He's like, nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> but if he did, he could wipe every servant yeah, down by strongest. clicking his fingers. Like, and that's how strong he is. But that's he's good. like, that's nah, what makes it more fun. It makes so it more of like a kind of. I love in death matches like that. I like it when, like, with battle royale with the backpacks, yes. randomized. Some people pull out machine guns. Some people pull out pot lids. <laughs> yes, and it's kind it, of yeah. like it sort of is just so like there's a downside of everything, so it's not so stacked in one way. It's good. Absolutely. So yeah, Fate Zero. 
I'm sorry I had to go through so much to get to the basic plot of what this fucking show is about, but like I wanted to very quickly explain the Fate series, which is so dense. I breezed over that. Like, mm, yes, yeah, yeah, watch Giggook's video. He it's goes into always it. the Holy Grail Wars. There's always masters and servants. And just watch Fate Zero. Just watch but Fate just watch Zero. Fate like, Zero. That's, that's the thing. And it's Honestly. fine because it's a prequel. You don't need to know anything. No, so it's just watch the that. first, like from a timeline perspective, wasn't the first made, but the first. And again, Ken Orobuchi, who wrote it, my God. Yeah. Awesome. Such a good writer. And it I'm shows. Watch it. And it's euphotable. It looks incredible. It is seriously one of my top 10 shows of all time. Oh, it's so down. hype, man. Straight the first two episodes are so hype. Oh, it's so good. Because they summon their service in the second episode in a love one. She's like, are you my master? And you're like, who is it? Who are they? <laughs> who is that? <laughs> Which one are you? Like, man, it's so good. It's so great. So check it out. But yeah, so those are three varying levels of successful. good and successful Deathmatch Battle Royale shows. It's definitely three levels. I can't three watch Gantz again because I feel like I, wouldn't bother. I can't I wouldn't cope bother. with what you described. Yeah, it's pretty it's, messed up. It's too but problematic. there's many others as well. There's, of course, yep. there's Alice yep. in um, Borderlands. Alice in Borderlands. It's Ka- Kaiju Counts as well, which is the totally. gangster, which is actually sim- most similar to Squid Game. In fact, that there's like if you're in debt to gangsters, you can yeah. do like a bunch of gambling games to get like any kind of, also like these are just giant tournament arcs. Yeah. Oh, they're tournament all just arcs, tournament arcs, yeah. yeah. So any, Everyone. we talk about tournament arcs a lot here, tuning exams. So many. Are they a death match? Kind, kind of. of. Yeah. Watch it. Totally. Have fun. There's just so many. But I think, honestly, if you're going to watch any, if you want to get edgy and see like what a battle royale show is at its most base level, watch Mariah Nikki. You know, like that's what it is. But if you want to watch something that's actually really fucking good, Fade Zero. It's so great. Alice in Borderlands is great too. Mm. A bit more Squid Game. I should have done, done that. Yeah, but I wanted to do. I've, I wanted never, to watched, about I've only watched a TV show. I've yeah. never watched yeah, an anime. anime. Yeah, I didn't. Mm. I know it was based on a manga, but I. Yeah. Well, I chose to do Gans because of the reverence that that name sort of carries in the anime yeah. community, and also how old it is. I mean, and how disappointed you were. I'm so disappointed. But how much you know? Like I say, it came out the same time as Battle Royale. Yeah, I guess same twenty year. years old, but yeah, I don't want to see it. A year after. That's a good shit. Came out in twenty twenty. A problematic no. show. I think it's on Netflix called Batum. Have you heard of this? Batum is another big battle royale show. Yes, where's bombs everywhere? So it's called Batum, but it's got a fucking killer like opening track. Oh yeah, like really banger. Like I've actually listened to it, but I can't remember <laughs> anything that happens on the show. I know that there's like edgy, edgy people with bombs. Yeah, it's super. Dumb. Um, on an island, so it's yeah. very battle royale. Yeah, yeah. That it's way. all battle royale. Yeah, um, great opening theme. Terrible show. So it's not Japanese reggae rap that I had to listen to. <laughs> Unfortunately not. It's like the Gaspar Sands. Uh, All right. All right. right. We're back on the Gaspar Sands fucking Heike Monogatari <laughs> thing. <laughs> All right, people. Jesus Christ. How good's a good soundtrack, though? Yes. Oh, fuck. Yoko Kano, for example. Right. Oh, yeah. Cowboy yeah, All of these things. Simple. Great soundtracks. Anyway, I hope you learned a little bit about Battle Royale. Deathmatch anime, and of course, with Squid Game being so ubiquitous, we wanted to talk about it. And there's so many. There's still so many more that we haven't even mentioned. But check it out. I hope you learned a little bit of something. Charlie, thanks. Graham, thanks. thanks Good times. Guys. Always a pleasure. Catch hey, you next time. Cheers. We All did the it. Best. We survived this we death game. <laughs> <laughs> Catch up. Friendship. <laughs> Nakama. Nakama. We did it.